0: Oh man, Uh, I thank God for you, glad you're in my life, glad we're doing Jesus and love and life together. Um, Those of you with us online, I love you guys. Man, I miss you, I thank God for you. Uh, Central Christian is one big church in two languages, four locations and hundreds of living rooms. God is at work mightily. If you're with us for the first time or the first time in a long time, uh, we're delighted to have you. And whether you're on, watching this online or uh, live in the room with me, uh, here's what you got to know. God has brought you here. This is not an accident. You're not watching by whim or chance or, or circumstance. God has arranged this moment. He's maneuvered and orchestrated in your week because he wants to help us. What we're going through, none of us have ever gone through before, and it is hard. We're being pushed to the limit mentally and emotionally. It's a strain on our relationships. And so you know what I found? Let me show you. More than ever before in my life, the more difficult the time, the more I need to double down on my spiritual growth. I mean, I just need to take it to a whole new level. Everything that I do, I mean... All my life, this is kind of weird because I'm an old guy and I've been a Christian for a long time, but all my life, when I prayed in private, I always prayed silently to myself, just in my head and in my heart. But now, because of what we're going through, um, I pray out loud. And maybe that sounds like just a little adjustment, but man, it has been huge for me for the last several months. I'm not just reading God's word, now I'm memorizing God's word. That's just me. But I want to tell you, there has never been a time in your life for your relationship with God, for your relationship with those you love, for your spiritual, mental, and emotional well-being when it is more essential that you double down on your spiritual life. That you're in either in the room for worship every weekend or you're online. And every Wednesday at 7 on Facebook, you're joining Ray for Second Take. Every day, you're setting aside some amount of time to open up God's word, to open up your heart, to be with him in prayer. And there have been times in my life, like during our adoptions, man, it would get so hard. I would be in the word of God multiple times during the day. It would be like a life preserver that he would throw out to me when I felt like I was drowning in anxiety and despair and darkness. So, I want to challenge us. Whatever's left of this season, who knows how long this thing's going to last. But we got to draw a line in the sand and decide right now, we are going to worship with more passion and more consistency than we ever have before. We are gonna be in God's word every day. We are gonna be in prayer multiple times through the day. We're gonna join rail out Second Take every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on Facebook. We've gotta double down on our spiritual life. In fact, we'll begin right now together as a group, online and in person, praying God's word. Here's the prayer we're gonna pray from Psalm 43. In fact, I'll pray a phrase, and you pray it after me aloud. Okay, are you ready? Here we go together. I'm going to say God, and you're going to say God, online and in the room. Here we go. God, you're such a safe and powerful place to take refuge. You're a proven help in time of trouble. more than enough, enough. and always available available. whenever I need you, you. so we will not fear, fear. so we will not fear, fear. so we will not fear, fear. in Jesus' name, name. and all God's people said, Amen. amen, and amen, I know that the deal in me and the deal in you is when life is hard and when life hurts, we want God to get us out of the difficult circumstance. But the truth is what I found to be true in my life and the lives of those of this church is that God, He, he doesn't get us out of the situation. He grows us through the situation. In fact, I've found in my life, the faster that I mature and take on the likeness of Jesus, the more I'm lifted above the circumstance. God will grow you through what you're going through. God will grow you through what you're going through. That's a part of the point. God didn't cause this pandemic. God hasn't caused the tension that now is in your home. The concerns that are weighing down your heart but God will grow you through these difficulties. Now to teach this, I'm gonna take you into the very first book ever written on the life, the death, uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was written by a young man named Mark. And he was writing to a church he loved in the city of Rome, right at the heart of the Roman Empire. And the people in Rome They were like us. They were caught in this lengthy season. They didn't know when it was going to end, and it was a terrible time of suffering. It wasn't a pandemic like we're going through. They were being pounded every day, week after week, month after month, year after year by persecution. Their property and possessions stripped away from them. They were beaten without cause, arrested unjustly. In fact, they just wanted to know, is this suffering of ours, our new normal? Is suffering our new normal? And so in response to their question, he writes his book called the book of Mark on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And he opens it. As the curtain is pulled back on the opening sentences, like um, all great literature, he introduces main characters that are going to play a pivotal role in the unfolding of the story. Here's how it opens. Verse 4, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. Now John might have been a great Baptist, uh, but he would have been a lousy evangelist. I'll give you time to quit laughing at that. But here's the deal, he is out in the heck of the middle of nowhere. He's not in the TV studio, he's not in the capital of his region and his religion, Jerusalem. He's 40 miles from Jerusalem, out in the wilderness. He's dressed, his clothes are wilderness clothes, made of camel hide. He probably smelled like a camel. He ate whatever he could find in the wilderness, wilderness food like locusts and wild honey. So here's this preacher, smells like a camel and has locust breath. He's the main character, but he's out in the wilderness, and here's what he's doing. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance. Say, baptism of repentance. This is a big deal. He is out there. He is proclaiming a baptism of repentance. Now, we know what his job was. His job was to point the way, make a path for Jesus to walk, for Jesus to enter history. And he does it by preaching a baptism of repentance. Why? For the forgiveness of of sins. Now who is going to walk in a day without cars, no social media. It's not televised. It's not on serious radio. Who's going to walk or ride a donkey 40 miles to hear John preach the repentance of sins, the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Well, when you read on, you find out Here's who came to hear John. The whole Judean countryside, all the villages, all the towns, and all the people of the huge capital city, Jerusalem, they all went out to him. And what they do? They confess their sins in response to his call for repentance. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Now, here's a big question. Why would John, of all places, pick the Jordan River, as the place for his ministry. I mean, if you just wanted to baptize people, there were baptism sites all over Jerusalem. Hundreds of them. But the Jordan River, the Jordan River was a historical mile marker and miracle marker for God's people in their history. I mean, 1,500 years earlier, they had escaped from slavery in Egypt and they were ready to cross over into their promised land where they were going to find uh, gardens of vegetables they did not plant, plant, but they would be all theirs, orchards and vineyards that they didn't plant, but would be all theirs, wells with water that they did not dig, but it would be all theirs, cities that they did not build, but they would be, it would be all theirs, fields and fields of crops that they didn't plant, or cultivate, but all that would be theirs in there. And all these crops and gardens of vegetables, I mean, it was just rich, rich abundance. It was their promised land. And they got there by crossing the Jordan. But the only way they were able to cross is that God worked a, a phenomenal miracle holding back the water of, jo- of the Jordan As his people crossed into their promised land. So now John is on the scene and he's announcing the greatest promise of God, the greatest gift of God ever given to man. Here's the gift. Oh, there's the Jordan River. Here's the gift. John says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one, capital O one, one Jesus. After me comes Jesus, who is more powerful than I. Whose sandals, I'm not even worthy to be his slave. Carry his sandals for him. Whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so John shows us a lifestyle initiative. We've got to take the initiative in these trying times, just like the people to whom Mark was writing, in their trying times, we have to take the initiative. And the first lifestyle, not a one and done, but a lifestyle initiative is to repent for our sins. I repent of my sins. You repent of your sins. And this is not a, a one and done. This becomes a loss. You sin every day, so you have to repent every day. Now, John was a Jewish man, and so he spoke Hebrew. The Hebrew word for repentance is teshuvah, And I love it in the Bible. It's all through the Old Testament part of the Bible. And people are radically changed for the good by their teshuvah, their repentance. It means to turn Not just from their sins, but to God. Now, Mark, when he wrote the word repentance, he was writing in the Greek. And the Greek word for repentance is metanoia. And it means a change of mind that creates a change of how we feel. If you want to change the way you feel, if you're not feeling too good emotionally, change the way you think. When you change the way you think, metanoia, you change the way you feel and then you change the way you behave that's what John was preaching. You see, maybe here's a good picture. You're taking your life in one direction. And in this direction, you find yourself criticizing other people. Maybe people at work, maybe people in your home, but you're criticizing other people. And Here's the wonderful thing about God. He uses his loving kindness to bring us to repentance. And so as we go this way and we find ourselves criticizing other people, and he lovingly makes us aware that our criticism is sin, we have this spiritual aha moment and we turn from the sin of criticism and we start to go God's way. Now we know that we have authentically and genuinely repented, when the very people that we criticize, now we begin to thank God for them. Now we are grateful for them. Or maybe you were going in a particular direction in your life. And at this time, this season of life, you were, um, you were spending way too much money. And you were saving way too little, if anything. And, and you were giving next to nothing, if anything, to God, because you were thinking, you are thinking, there's not enough for me, and I want more. And then the loving kindness of God comes over your heart. And you're like, this is wrong. And you decide to turn from your sin of selfishness. And you turn to God. And you make a decision to go from financial panic to financial peace by giving to God first and allowing him to bless the rest so that there's more than enough for savings and more than enough for the things that you need. It's a change, a turn accompanied by new behavior and new thought. Now, it always bugs me when people point out sins and never get real about their own, so I'm gonna get real about mine, at least one of the many. We don't have time for all my sins. But here's a big one that makes me kind of an ugly guy at times. Hello, my name is David. I'm a control freak. I mean, it is very, very painful for me emotionally when I find myself in a circumstance that I can't control. And I've come to realize I have that painful feeling because I'm going away. I'm playing God. I want to be controlled. I want to say the things that will make it under my control. I want to do the things that will make the circumstance under my control. And the love and kindness of God comes over my heart and says, David, the reason this is so painful, you are not God. So I turn away from that desire to control. And I go to God, resting in him trusting that he is at work to my good. And whenever, here, here's a daily practice for you and me. Here's how it works. You sin every day, so you gotta repent every day. You, you probably sin morning, noon, and night, so it's good to repent morning, noon, and night. And through the course of your day, here are the three most important words that you can say as you walk this way, as you think, you say to yourself, you know what I was thinking I was wrong. Say that with me. I was wrong. You might need to practice one more time. I was wrong. And in the areas of your mind where you think you're right, those are probably the areas where you're really wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. Most important words you could ever say. I was wrong. And turn. This is what John was preaching. Turn away from what's hurting your life and other people and turn to God who will heal and help. And in that moment then, the scene changes and the spotlight shines in the Jordan River and the star of the story, the hero of the drama, takes center stage. It's our Jesus. Look at the text. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. It was about 70 miles away, walked all the way, and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And as Jesus came up out of the water, he he saw the heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. It's a picture. Do you remember when, when creation happened? As God spoke it and Jesus did it, The Holy Spirit was hovering like a dove over all that was created. And so now here we have the Holy Spirit of God again. He's hovering over. There's a new creation. A new life is beginning to unfold for all people who look to Jesus. The Spirit descended on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. What a moment I remember The very first time I remember my dad telling me, David, I am proud of you. And, you know, we'd known each other for a long time and there were things that I had done. But to tell you the truth, I remind my dad that he has no reason to be proud of me. If anything good happens, it's just God. Think about Jesus. In this moment, God speaks from heaven. The whole, whole of history stops. And into this, into this moment, God speaks over his son, says, you are the one I love. You're my son. And I am so, so pleased with you. But all Jesus has done with his life is be baptized. He's 33 years old. He's not healed one person. He's not taught one lesson. He's not preached one sermon. He has not raised one person from the dead. He's done nothing. And the reason that we get to hear the voice of God over Jesus is because this is God's word for us. God is so, so pleased with you simply because you are his son or daughter. His pleasure over you, his pride in you, his love for you has nothing to do with what you do. He would never hold back love from you for anything bad you've done, and there's nothing good you can do that can get him to love you more. He loves you simply because you are his child, and this is lifestyle initiative. Number two, just like we got to repent every day because we sin every day, just like we got to turn every day, every day we must rest in God's love. And this takes practice. This takes discipline. This takes const, conscious and constant initiative every day because we feel like we're not worthy. We feel like we don't deserve it. Here's another sin of mine. I am a perfectionist. And so I'm really hard on myself. And and if you get a beef with me and you you probably can't be harder on me than I am on me, but that just kind of doubles it up because not only have I let me down, I've let you down. And I think, how can I ever please God? And so for all these decades of my Christian life, I've had to teach myself and discipline myself to rest in his love, to believe that he is actively at work to my good to believe with all my heart that he is making everything beautiful in its time. And that was a practice Jesus had to do. For those three years of his his marriage, his ministry leading up to the cross, every day he taught himself how to rest in God's love, how to rest in God's love. And three times God speaks aloud over Jesus. And two of those three times he says, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. It changes everything. When we we, we rest, it's not something I gotta produce. God loves me, loves me, loves me, and I rest in his love for me. Now, that does not mean that I will not suffer. That did not mean for Jesus that he would not suffer. In fact, here's, here's the deal. You can be much loved by the Father and still be allowed to suffer. Here's how it happened to Jesus. Gospel of Mark chapter 1, the Spirit of God then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. Remember those uh, Jewish people who escaped from slavery in Egypt? crossed in across the miraculously across the Jordan River into the promised land they were in that wilderness wondering before their crossing for 40 years it's as if Jesus is reenacting the history of his people and getting right everything they got wrong every way that they and they were terrible in the wilderness Oh my gosh, they complained all the time. They criticized uh, their leaders. They griped about God. They doubted his goodness. And so Jesus, he pay, faces the same test for so 40 days. He is relentlessly attacked by the evil one, and he passes every test so that Jesus is perfect. He is the perfect Israel that Israel can never be. In fact, Jesus is the perfect David that David could never be. And, and Jesus is the perfect you that you could never be. And he takes all my ugly imperfections. And he takes all your ugly imperfections upon himself on the cross and then gives us all the beauty of his perfection. He is your substitute he took your place on the cross for your sin and the great exchange is all our ugly imperfections go on him and all his perfection comes on us. And God grew Jesus through what he was going through in his suffering. God used the suffering to grow Jesus, check this out, word of God, book of Hebrews, though he was a wonderful son, Jesus learned to listen and obey through all his sufferings. That's a whole point that we can achieve through this pandemic period that we're living through. That we learn to listen to God and obey God. Jesus learned to listen and obey through all his sufferings. And after being proved perfect, the Greek word is telios, and it means complete, Everything in place proved perfect in this way. He became the source of eternal salvation to all those who, as he did, listen to him and obey. What got Jesus through all that wilderness suffering was his reliance on God's word. And this is the, the third lifestyle initiative that we got to double down on. Got to double down on repentance. Got to double down on resting in God's love. And we got to double down on relying on God's word. Every time Satan attacked him, wanted to come against him emotionally, wanted to come against him mentally, wanted to come against his relationship with God. Every time Jesus relied on God's word to defeat Satan, to defeat the painful feelings, to defeat the negative thinking, to defeat the doubt, he relied on God's word. And so now like never, never before in our lives, we gotta have our Bible open, our hearts open, listen to God, talk to God. I'm gonna give you um, one more lifestyle initiative because here's what Jesus did. He left that wilderness having defeated Satan with the word of God. And this is what he would preach wherever he went. He said, turn your lives back to God and put your trust in the hope-filled good news. The good news is this. On the cross, it wasn't just your ugly imperfections that Jesus took upon himself and his perfection given to you, imputed to you. He, he, He took everything wrong with you on himself and put everything right with himself on you. He was made to be your sin that you might be made the righteousness of God He took everything bad about you and me and put everything good in himself so we are made the goodness of Christ. All God's anger do us for our sin. Jesus took it on himself. All God's judgment do us for our sin. Jesus took it on himself. All God's condemnation do us for our sin. Jesus took it on himself so we get free. We're not condemned. We're not judged. We're as perfect as Christ. We're as good as Christ and we can rest in the love of God. So here's the deal. The fourth lifestyle initiative that we just got to do every day is to reset our lives. Before our heat, feet hit the floor in the morning, before we crawl out of bed, we do a reset. And I'd like to lead you through a reset prayer right now just to help you with this. If you'd bow with me and let's pray together. Our Father, You are great and mighty. You are holy, holy, holy. Oh God, right now, we want to reset our lives, so we pray this way. Oh God, have mercy on us as sinners. Oh God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who died in our place as our substitute for our sins, took our punishment on himself, And oh God, you raised him from the dead. And now you allow us and invite us to live in that same resurrection power. Holy Spirit, we invite you into our day. Holy Spirit, join us in our day. We reset this new day. We repent of our sins. We rest in your love. We rely on your word. And thank you for the victory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centerwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.